Shalom and Chag Sameach. Happy holidays from the land of Israel. This is Hannah Nesher speaking to you. And we are right now in the festival of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And we're right in the middle of the holiday. And so I just have this message on my heart that I wanted to share with you. I know a lot of people are sharing what, what Sukkot is about and why do we celebrate it and what's a Sukkah and what about the prophetic uh, significance of the Feast of Tabernacles for all the nations, all that I could get into it. But I have something a little more personal that I want to share with you because this coming Shabbat, this Shabbat is called Shabbat Chol Hamoed. And what it is, is it's the Shabbat that comes right in between these, these kind of intermediate days of Sukkot because Sukkot and Passover both are week-long festivals, not just like one day. It's a whole week long of celebrating. And so it says that the first day is to be this holy day and have a sacred assembly and do no work. And also the eighth day after the week's over, we have another holy day and it's a sacred assembly and do no work. And so, but then there's these in-between days. And so these are called Chol HaMoed because Moed is the appointed time, it's the festival, and Chol is a word that means kind of kind of ordinary, everyday, it's, it's opposite of Kadosh, okay? So every time that we have Shabbat, that we celebrate a Sabbath, when we come to the end of the Sabbath, we have a little ceremony called Havdalah, we have a tradition or uh, custom called Havdalah, where we recite some prayers and we ask for God's blessing over our coming week. And as part of that, we bless God that he makes a distinction between Kodesh, between holiness, and Chol. So this separates Shabbat, which is holy, from all the rest of the everyday days of the week, which is Chol, which is just ordinary. And so, well, some days can be extraordinary, but it's not Kadosh. It's not this Sabbath day. It's not this Shabbat set apart day. And so this, this is what Chol is about. It's about these intermediate days. And so the Shabbat for this week comes in the middle of the festival of Sukkot. And so these days are still festive days. They're still Sukkot, but work is permitted during these Chol Moed days. And then we come to Shabbat and it's in the middle of these Chol Moed days these intermediate days of the festival. No work is done, of course, because it is a Shabbat. But I want to talk about this whole issue of being in the middle, okay? These intermediate days of the festivals of Sukkot and Passover are interesting because the whole country is packed. It, it just, everybody's out and about and on the roads and you see a lot of religious people out on the streets and out on the roads and everywhere because... In Israel, six days are work days, and one day is a Shabbat. Six days shall you work, and one day shall you rest. But the Shabbat rest day for the Orthodox Jewish people is not a day when they are allowed to drive or go anywhere or do anything that is kind of like fun. It's just a day to be holy and to spend in the word and in the synagogue. And so they don't really have a day to go out with their families and, and have picnics and go to places and spend money and stuff, on, except for these 
festival, these week-long festivals where they have these intermediate days. It's a festival, but they're allowed to spend money. They're allowed to work. They're allowed to drive. So the whole country is packed. I myself prefer to stay home because I don't like these huge crowds and being in traffic and packed, packed, crowded conditions. But anyways, other people braver than myself do go out and do do a lot of fun things. But anyways, these these intermediate days, I want to talk about them because there's always a beginning and an end. And in between the beginning and the end, there's the middle, right? And sometimes this middle place can be really hard. You know, the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, and then they were on their way to their destination, which was the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey of pomegranates and grapes and and figs and vines and brooks of water and everything. But in the middle, they had to go through the wilderness. They were on their way somewhere, but they had to pass through somewhere that was a dry and thirsty land where it was a land of scorpions and spiders and snakes, and it was hard and there was no water and a really, really very difficult place. And what happened to the Israelites that we can learn from is that they lost heart in the wilderness. They became discouraged along the way. It says they started to grumble. They started to complain. So we hate this stupid manna. Um, We want quail. You know, where is their water? There's no water. Moses, why did you bring us here? God's going to kill us. We're all going to be victims. You know, they went on and on and on with all their grumbling and complaining. And I'm not judging them because if I was there, I might have been right along with them because I think we all have that tendency to lose heart in the wilderness and to grumble and to complain and to become discouraged. Discouragement is a really, um, it's a hard thing. It's something that we need to resist. I feel that this is a message for us right now that God wants to encourage us um, not to lose heart heart in the wilderness and not to lose sight of the vision of where we're going. Because, you know, the sad thing about this is because the Israelites uh, lost heart in the wilderness, they lost sight of their vision. They forgot where they were going. They thought they're never going to get there, that they, they never made it. They never made it to the promised land and their carcasses were scattered all over the wilderness and all of them died in the wilderness except for two. And that was Joshua and Caleb. And that's because they had a different spirit than everybody else and because they held on to faith. And so sometimes I just feel like that's all I do, but I'm trying to encourage myself as well as other people that we have to hold on to faith and we have to resist discouragement because The middle place is a place of transitions. It's it's a hard place because we don't see the promises. You know, the Israelites said to to Moses, where have you brought us? You you haven't done anything you promised. We don't see anything. We don't see the, the figs. We don't see the grapes. We don't see the pomegranates. We don't see the land of milk and honey. We don't see any brooks of water. All we see is this sand and scorpions, basically. You know, you you haven't done, we don't see it, you see, and we're not to live by sight, but by faith. We're not supposed to go just by what we see, but by faith that God has a plan. He is bringing us somewhere. There is a destination. If we keep our eyes on the prize, we're going to make it if we stay in faith, but we can't just go by what we see. You know, this, this middle place is 
is really hard. We, uh, we can lose heart when we don't see any signs of progress. You know, we've left somewhere, we're headed somewhere, but we haven't arrived there yet. And so we're in the middle and we don't even see a glimpse of the end. You know, it could be that um, maybe our marriage is not on the brink of divorce, but, you know, maybe still sucks. <laughs> maybe it's so far from the loving uh, relationship that we desire it to be. Maybe we uh, are not anymore on the verge of bankruptcy, but we're still deeply in debt and we don't see any way out. Maybe we started a fitness program and we're not totally gross anymore, but we are nowhere near what we would like to be. And this is, this is a tough place to be. So I'll just share a little bit from my own experience because one thing that kind of bugs me is when uh, I'm listening to somebody give a message and they don't tell anything about themselves. You know, it's all kind of like for everybody out there and as if they don't have a life or they don't struggle with these things. And so, you know, we all struggle sometimes with discouragement. And so for me, my like uh, middle place right now is that I'm, post-surgery, I had a hip replacement, it was actually my second one, about a month ago. And, um, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm past the surgery, which hallelujah, I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful that I'm still alive. And it's, it's wonderful. But, you know, hallelujah for that. But I'm still just hobbling around my house with a walker like an old person. <laughs> and um, I mean, not that that's bad if you're an old person and you have a walker. I mean, how do you can still walk around? But I mean, for me, I just, you know, have this, this um, vision and hope for where I want to get to that I want to be able to just walk freely and normally and without pain. And I want to just fully participate in all the activities of life and lead tours and dance and ride a bike and just do all those things that I haven't been able to do for so long. But here I am, you know, still kind of confined to the house because there's 30 steps up and down. So I don't do it very often and, and still hobbling around the house, limping, still in pain, still unable to do a lot of the things that I want to do. Okay, I can stand up and wash the dishes now. Hallelujah. You know, but, you know, when all you can do is kind of like wash the dishes and, uh, you know, it can it can get a little bit discouraging. And so just it just kind of like all came on me at one point and I just felt so discouraged and demoralized and hopeless. And I just felt like I'm doing nothing and I'm going nowhere. And see, this is the this is the thing is we lose this vision of where we're headed and that yes we are going to go there but we're just in the middle and sometimes it just feels like we're just adrift and we're just lost and we're not going anywhere and that's just a lie from the enemy this is just discouragement is something that we need to stand together against we need to resist it because it will really drag us down you know hebrews 12 1 says let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us and yeah I want to keep running this race that is marked out for me and I don't want this discouragement to be dragging me down and nobody wants to be dragged down this heavy heart 
um, discouragement, despair, hopelessness. It'll just drag us down. It's kind of like, you know, the wheels coming off our chariots. You know, we just become bogged down in the sand like the Egyptians and we can't just go through. We can't run the race. It's going to trip us up. And the devil is always trying to get us to be discouraged, to give up, to doubt God. And we need to watch out for that. We need to stand against that. And we need to, on purpose, rejoice. And uh, I, I just thought this was really a good word for Holamoed Sukkot. Because the question is, how do we keep our joy in the middle? How do we rejoice even in the transitions? In the Chola Moed, in those middle days, in those middle times, when we've left somewhere, we're not where we were, but we're not where we want to be, and we can't even see it. How do we keep our joy? Because Sukkot is called the season of our joy. It is the time of our rejoicing. In Leviticus, it says, and you are to take uh, branches from leafy trees and you're to wave them all around and dance all around with them. And it says, rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days, a whole week of rejoicing. Well, how can we do that if we feel sad and discouraged? And a lot of us are in transition. A lot of us are in the middle in places, whether it's relationships or finances or health or whatever it is. And so I wanted to give us some encouragement and maybe some even practical things that we can do to encourage ourselves, you know, because it says uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. You know, this is the day that God has created. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So God's created the day, but what we do with it is up to us. Whether we choose to waste that day in sadness and hopelessness and doubt and despair, or whether we choose to just rejoice and trust God and be full of life and light, that that's up to us. God gives us that choice. So how do we rejoice before the Lord? Because you see, Sukkot is the end. On the, these fall feasts are all prophetic, right? And so the first part of it, on the first day of the seventh month, was Yom Truah, when they blow the shofar. And this announces the king is coming, Yeshua is coming, the Messiah is, is coming on the blast of the shofar, on the great Truah, the great shout. Here comes the Lord, he's coming. And, and so this is the fulfillment of Yom and then Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is when the whole earth mourns. It's a day of fasting and mourning and prayer because the whole earth will, will see him coming on the clouds and the whole, whole earth will recognize him. It's, and even in uh, Zechariah, it says that even the, the Jewish people will recognize him as our Messiah, and will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And so this is the fulfillment of Yom Kippur. And, and so five days later, on the 15th day of the seventh month, comes Sukkot. And this is when Yeshua defeats all the enemies of Israel because all the nations will have come against Jerusalem and all the nations will have come against Israel. And the Lord comes and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives and he defeats 
all the enemies of Israel. And then it says the kingdom of the world have become the kingdom of the Lord. He will rule and reign. This is the setting up of the reign of Yeshua in the time of the millennial kingdom where there is peace and righteousness and this wonderful time that we all long for. But that's the end. Sukkot is the end. No wonder we are rejoicing because it's a foreshadow of the end where we are not being terrorized anymore by our enemies. We are, we are not weeping anymore, but the joy has come in the morning. The joy has come in the morning and weeping will last for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. So then I just thank God that he gives us, he's created sleep, you know, because sometimes you can be so discouraged and weeping the day before. And then you go to sleep, you wake up, it's a new day. And his mercies are new every morning. And so let's just remember that. It doesn't have to carry on. Yeah, okay, maybe we had a down day, but his mercies are new every morning. Get a good night's sleep, and the next day everything can look different. And so it's really easy to rejoice at the end of the story, okay? We we see in Sukkot the end of the story, all the enemies of Israel defeated, the Lord is ruling and reigning, there's peace and righteousness and justice on the earth, but how do we rejoice when we don't see the end of the story yet? We're, we're still in the middle. Well, number one, one thing that I, that I think can help, and we see this in the story of Elijah when he was so depressed in the cave, and the Lord led him just to rest and eat. And I, I know this sounds really simplistic and silly, but sometimes, you know, sometimes we just need to rest and eat. Um, sometimes we're just we're just wiped out physically and we need to be refreshed and restored and renewed physically. And so first thing to get some rest, to eat, to drink. And um, like I said, sometimes a good night's sleep can, can do wonders. The second thing I was talking about before is about that we need to resist discouragement, despair, and hopelessness. Resist it just like we'd resist the devil. It says resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As long as we just have to say no. No, I will not be discouraged. I have a hope in a future. And Sometimes we need to even repent for agreeing with the lies of the enemy because sometimes inside of ourselves, we agree with these lies of the enemy. Yeah, you're right. I'm never going to get there. You're right. Um, you know, God's forsaken me. And there is no hope for me. I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to see a breakthrough. This is never going to change. And we need to repent for agreeing with the lies of the enemy and instead proclaim the truth. God is good. His mercy is forever. He is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. God provides all of our needs in Messiah Yeshua. And he takes even what is meant for evil and turns it around for good. And his plans for me are for good to give me a hope and a future. And so it's so good to remind ourselves of these things. I find it helpful to write things down. You know, I just have reams and reams of notes and who knows what's going to happen to them all that I just write because there is a power in the written word. You can even write these things down to remind yourself of these uh, promises that we have in God. We can also look back and remember the wonderful things that God has done for us in the past. Well, he's healed me in the past. You know, he already brought me through one hip replacement surgery and healed me and I could walk. And so he, he can do it again. Um, you know, he's, he's brought me through a financial crisis before. He'll do it again. Uh, whatever it is we're dealing with, we can see 
the wonderful things and the testimonies that we have of God's faithfulness and his goodness. I even love one of the things I love to do is scrapbooking, not in a really complex way, but just, you know, putting photos in somewhere and writing about it, writing, journaling the faithfulness of God, journaling the things that he brings us through and, and the good things that he's done for us. And so that's another thing that we can do at that time. Also, I think what's really, really important is to keep the vision. Keep the vision of where we're going. If you don't have a vision of where you're going, get a vision. <laughs> get a vision of where you're going. If you have no idea, pray. Ask God, give me your vision for my life. Because it says a man plans his way, but God directs his steps. You know, And so God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And he doesn't want us to just be drifting around, you know, kind of like on a, on a shipwreck at sea and not know, not have any clue where we're going. We, I'm sure that in your heart, you have an idea of where you want to, where you want to be and in what direction you want to be headed and what you want to accomplish with your life. You know, as we get older, we start to realize, Hey, you know, I probably, I've only got so much time and only God knows how much to accomplish the things that are in my heart uh, to do, want to be a blessing, make a difference. And so we got to get at it and got to get on these things. And it really helps to write these things down. And um, I wanted to read to you from this um, book that I really like, uh, A Long Love Letter, Margaret Ruth Baker. And she kind of paraphrases some of the scriptures. And so this beautiful paraphrase of the, the scripture from Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, verse 3, about the vision. She writes this, the vision is yet for an appointed time. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. Though it tarries, wait earnestly for it. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue one single day. The vision hastens towards the end. It will not be late. If there's one thing that God's been speaking to me a lot lately is to trust in God's timing and be patient and wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen our heart. And so that is really important. And I would really encourage you to write down the vision, write down what you want to accomplish over the next year, maybe the next month, <laughs> the next week, if you have to. And, uh, and, but keep a vision of where you're headed and where you're going and what, how you want to see your life to be what is your promised land and uh last night as i told you as i was kind of struggling with this um discouragement because sometimes we have the vision and it just feels like it's just taking too long and we wonder if we'll ever get there and so my daughter liat sent me this beautiful new song by danny goki i'm sorry if i'm saying his name wrong and it's called haven't seen it yet so I encourage you to look that up on YouTube and play it and listen to it and just be encouraged. I wanted to read you just uh, a few of the scriptures just to end with these scriptures. He says, have you been praying and you still have no answers? Have you been pouring out your heart for so many years? Have you been hoping that things would have changed by now? Have you cried all the faith you have through so many tears? I think a lot of us could say amen to those things, eh? And then he says, don't forget the things he's done before. And remember, he can do it all. 
once more. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on and believe. Maybe you just haven't seen it. Just haven't seen it yet. You're closer than you think you are. You're only moments from the break of dawn. All his promises are just up ahead. Maybe you just haven't seen it yet. And then the bridge is saying he is moving with a love so deep. Hallelujah for the victory. Good things are coming even we, when we can't see it yet. But we believe that it's like the brightest sunshine waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on and believe. Maybe you just haven't seen it. You just haven't seen it yet. So let us encourage one another that even if we're in the middle, if we're in the Chol Hamoed, you know, we're, we're looking forward to the end, but we're still in the middle. We can still rejoice by faith. We can rejoice on purpose, knowing that God is good and he is faithful and he will take us to the other side and we will make it in the name of Yeshua. So thanks for listening. Chag Sameach. Have a wonderful Shabbat and a wonderful end to Sukkot. I'll be sending you another message about the end of Sukkot, the last great day of the feast, when Yeshua stood up and said, okay, I'm not going to tell you right now because you're going to have to listen to the next message, which is really an amazing, amazing message from the last great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Hug Sameach to all of you and let us continue to rejoice that God is our shelter in the storms of life. Yesterday was this completely freak storm that was unbelievable. Everything was flying around and rain was just pouring down. And here I was in my little house, warm and dry and safe. And remember that God says, in the time of trouble, I will keep them in the shelter of my sukkah. God has a sukkah. He has a tabernacle. He has a place of shelter for us, Psalm 91. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha. Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yuchonecha. Isa Adonai panavalecha v'yasem lecha shalom. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Messiah, Prince of Peace, our shalom.